0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I have a word uh, from God. You know, um, I want to talk about an H-O discipline called perseverance. Wow. Whoa, oh, sounds difficult already. It's like perseverance. What is that in this world? You know, in this time and age, we are living in an instant world. You know, uh, just just the other night I was hungry. And so uh instead of cooking Maggie Me, Rudy and I, not Rudy, it's not Rudy and I, Rudy, I'm just in like in spirit with him. But Rudy went downstairs and then there's this chef in a box thing. Do you know what chef in a box is? Sing Kang is like technology hub, man. You know, so it's this like vending machine that sells um, instant food but it's like cooked by chefs. So like well-known chefs, okay, so I don't know by who but then so they have things like butter, buttermilk, um, uh, buttermilk chicken with naan, things like that. You know, so they will have like beef ho fun or black pepper beef with rice, uh, and so it's it's instant. You can get it, you can get it cooked there at the at instant, and then you just take it out and eat at, on the table, or you can get it cold and then go back home and make it hot. So he went there, and then it's like you know, we just order, and then in like five minutes, I had like, what do I have? I have like black pepper rice with um, onions and don't know what or what. Then then he had like but, but, uh, butter Buttermilk chicken with none. And it was just in a matter of like five minutes of going downstairs and buying. So we live in a world where everything is instant, everything is instant gratification. You know, and we want to use the least amount of time, with the least amount of effort, to have the greatest impact, to have the maximum impact. That's what we all want. That's efficiency for us, especially Singaporeans. That's efficiency. And we, we forget about this age-old discipline called perseverance, called endurance. We are presented with so many options that actually there's no necessity for persevering through anything, right? We have so many alternatives that if like this doesn't work out, let's try this way. If this doesn't work out, okay, okay, we always do it the other way. Then we have so many options available today that there is really no need to endure something. Rarely do you hear people enduring anything or persevering through something. It was almost like it sounds as though it's like a, it's like 50 years ago people just have to endure to do something. But in recent years, it's like, oh, there are so many options. Let's just Google and see what we can do, right? Let's Google and see what are the ways we can do something or we can go somewhere. And it's so fast. And we've lost the art of cultivating endurance, tenacity, patience, perseverance. And so, you know, it, it, it just, it bothers me because when it comes to things that matter, we always find the easy way out. Even more so in our spiritual life. This is it. Perseverance is more vital in our spiritual life because it's unseen. You know, a lot of the things that are seen, you know, you are presented with a choice and, you know, it's like, it's there. So you can, you, you can actually see it. But with, with, the, with, a, with your spiritual life, it's a lot of inner working. It's a lot of the unseen things. And even more so with that, how do you persevere to, for something that you don't really see, that you just kind of feel on a Sunday, or you kind of feel it when you are, you know, together with a lot, a bunch of Christians and we are talking about the things of God and, oh, this this feeling comes out, but it's just so hard to persevere to see something through. And so today I want to share with you about spiritual perseverance. You know, we need to have perseverance to be in, in, in this for the long haul. We are not in it for just, you know, like, okay, I want to... I'm, I mean, I think Andreak shared before, like if we just want heaven as as, like the goal of our salvation, then the minute we receive Christ in Jesus' name, amen. Die, go heaven. That's the whole point. I mean, that that is that is what you should do if heaven is the only option. Or or heaven is is like the only goal of your Christian life. But it's not. We're in this for the long haul. We're in this for something greater. And that's why we need spiritual perseverance. So, what is perseverance? In the dictionary, perseverance says, perseverance is a continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Um, I prefer Oswald Chambers. You know, he has this book called My Utmost for My Highest. And he has a very good um, definition of perseverance. And it says, perseverance is more than endurance. I have it there, yeah. It is endurance combined with absolute assurance and certainty that what we are looking for is going to happen. It's more than just, I loon, I tolerate, I endure. It's not tolerance, I just bear with it. But it's with absolute assurance that whatever that I hope that will happen, is going to happen. That is perseverance. That's perseverance with a purpose. It's the possession of inner strength with staying power. It takes more strength to stay on, stay on track with something than just, you know, you, well, I do this and then I do that and then I do this and then I do that. It actually takes a lot more inner strength and a lot of will and staying power to do something consistently over and over and over and over again. That is spiritual perseverance. It's, and the spiritual perseverance is the assurance that whatever God says will, he will do, he will do. It will happen. So why do we need to have spiritual perseverance? I have just three very simple things, okay? And I'll go through this. <coughs> Are you alive today? I'm a bit out of breath because my lung space is very limited. So don't mind my heavy breathing. And you know I'm not going to labor. Don't worry. Because <laughs> like I'm practicing my breathing now. Okay, so number one, why do we need spiritual perseverance? It's the basis of our spiritual lives. In Hebrews twelve, it tells us the writer of Hebrews says, "Therefore, we also, being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares, and, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us." In First Timothy, it says, "Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life, which you also call. Confess to the good from confession in the presence of many witness. Our spiritual lives is always likened to like a race. It's likened to a fight, and it's not like you know. I'm not happy with you, you know, me, I me, mean? we fight, we fight. It's like a ring fight, you know. And then there are different rounds, and it takes endurance. It takes a, it takes a, a, it takes perseverance to do that. It takes a long time, you know. It's like the Subaru car challenge. What was the record this year? Like seventy, some, seventy-five hours. 75 hours, but our race, our fight is even more worth the fighting for, right? It's even more worth, more worth the persevering for than the Subaru car challenge, okay? All athletes, we are, we are always, because, don't you know, like I said, the, our spiritual life has always been likened to like a race, like a fight. And we are always likened to like soldiers and like athletes, you know, in the race. And all athletes know that we need stamina, you need stamina, you need mental stamina also to go through trainings, to go through the same routines over and over and over again. Athletes don't train differently. You know what I mean? It's not like, this week, let's do um this, and then after next week, let's do something else. They train in the same way all the time like swimmers swim in the same they just keep clocking time clocking time clocking time clocking time they just keep going at it all the time in the same with the of course they have cardio and every so different things but their main training just they just keep going at it at the same thing at, the, at all the time and we need to have spiritual stamina to finish our race our fight and i need stamina to finish my message <laughs> <laughs> philippians tells us you know that Paul says he pressed toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He, he describes himself as straining towards. In some, in some translations, it's like pressing on towards the goal. You know, that in our Christian life, it is not, it's not a... Our Christian life has an end goal. Right? It's not some um, weird journey that has no ending and then we are just living life aimlessly. There is a goal at the end of the day. Christ... The outward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a goal. And, and we are told to strain towards. You know, if you notice, we are not called to like skip along and just go towards the goal. we're called to strain. There is there is an implication that there is a need for endurance, there is a need for pushing through. There is a need to press on in spite of it's not just a no? just a a stroll in a park. And Philippians also say that, you know, we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, the Greek word there, work out, means to continually work to bring something to completion or fruition. You see, eternal life, like I said, it's just the first of many things that the believers have access to once we receive Christ. It's the first of many things. We actually live our lives unpacking all that God has, all that Christ has done for us right? Eternal life is just the first thing. It's like, your, you know, when you sign up for membership for, like, some restaurant or a gym or, like, a, a credit card, that's, like, your coupon. <laughs> that's the first thing, that like you get this, how many vouchers off? Eternal life is that. Then once you sign on, that is guaranteed. You are there, okay? These are all your benefits. But then, you know, this, this, are, this is, like, your 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 membership, really. You have eternal life. But you spend the rest of your life unpacking all that Christ has done for you. It's a lifetime of discovering what you have access to, what God has made available to you. And so even in our spiritual lives, we, we, there is a need to cultivate spiritual perseverance because we need perseverance to work out, to pack out, to work out our salvation, to unpack what God has given us, like the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit don't just come to you when you are... Uh, when you are a Christian, when you say you are a Christian and then all of a sudden you em- you embrace every fruit of the Spirit and you are the manifestation and personification of all the fruit of the Spirit. There is a working out. There is a discovering. There is a process that you go through to become and to embody the, the fruits of the Spirit. And even your call and the purposes of God in your life, you you need to have... it. it, it You need to have that endurance to go through what God has called you to go through so that you can be who God has called you to be. It's the basis of our spiritual lives. That's why we need spiritual endurance. Number two, it's for our growth and maturity. James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patients have its perfect work that you may be complete, uh, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, tests, testings always produce. Tests always produce results. It reveals what we know, who we are, what we are made of. If there's no form of testing, teachers, if there's no form of measurement of what we know, you will not know how much you have grown. You will not know the level of your growth. There must be a form of measurement. And when God gives us trials and testing, it's not to put us down, but it's to find out how much we have learned. A teacher doesn't, put, doesn't give, a, maybe some, but uh, human teachers, teachers don't give tests to fail students. They give tests because they know the students have learned the lessons and they, just, and they want to monitor the progress. They want to monitor growth in the student's life. That's testing. Babies, those of you who are parents, or most of you are, have grown up from as babies, right? There are milestones to hit. You have grown thus far. You have hit the milestones. Babies have milestones to hit. In the first year of a baby's life, the parents are always going to the doctors. We have to go there for a vaccination jab. Um, there will be like, milestones to check. They will check your reflexes, check like, the eyesight, check the hearing. Uh, they will drop the baby gently on like the, the padded thing and see if the baby like you know reflects or something you know like it has a shock or something that, that's good that's normal reflex like when you drop when you fall when you free fall you're supposed to have some kind of reaction so that's good you know and by hitting all these milestones it basically a healthy growing baby will chart well on the progress sheet and if they don't that means there's an issue that needs to be looked at there's something that the doctors might need to follow up on. They are, or, they, or, the, the, or the parents might have to monitor certain um, behaviors or certain things because something is lacking. There is a slowing down of development. And so, testing produces is to ascertain if there, if there is growth and how much growth. So, similarly, testing in our lives, right, it reveals growth in our lives. It reveals what we know, what we don't, you know, and sometimes, you know, when you go through something and you feel like hey, it's similar, it's, it's quite similar to what I've been through before, but this time around, I don't feel as bothered. I don't feel as offended. I might feel like irritated, but mm, I don't react this way anymore. This has happened to me before, but I'm not reacting the same way. So there is growth, you, you, there is, there is, you, you, Through that testing Through that trial and tribulation You realize that I have grown Or you may think Why am I in this thing again? Why am I in this cycle again? And then you realize you have not grown You have not learned from your past mistakes You are still making the same uh, mistakes Over and over again You are still caught in a cycle And then you begin to understand and realize the posi- Where you are, where you stand In terms of your growth In terms of your maturity Trials can be an impetus for growth. Muscles need stress to grow. All the gym rats here will know. Then it must be a certain stress that is imposed on muscles for it to be able to, to break down and then to build new muscles. You know, and I think I think we have shared, or you have seen this video of like the lobster and how stress is a factor for the lobster to shed its shell and be vulnerable and then in order for for it to grow like a bigger shell and then the whole process goes over again and stress is a growth factor there's this boy I forgot what's his name and there's nobody here that's old enough in the youth ministry that might remember Um, in, in Cornerstone Generations there was this boy in the youth ministry for like three to five years consecutively he only appears in like late October in our ministry. So he'll come for service in late October, and then he'll sign up for youth camp. And our youth camps are always very powerful, and then you'll meet God, and mucus everywhere, deliverance, powerful stuff. And then in January, he'll be like fired up, and he'll be like involved in life group, and he'll want to serve in like the, the helps ministry, clean the toilets, always staying back, helping the pastors, helping the leaders. And then in March... Somehow then you were like, eh, where's this guy? Don't know eh? oh, I think he's facing some problems. Uh, he he has some issues. And then he disappears. <laughs> and then right that year, like in October, he starts turning up again. And this happened. Seriously. So this happened, I forgot what's his name. But it just happened like three to five years consecutively. He just keeps coming back for youth camp, gets fired up. And then when things of life comes in his way, he just disappears, goes back to his same routine. And then in October, he will feel like convicted. uh, I need to come back to church again. Then he comes back to church again, he does the same thing over and over because he doesn't have spiritual perseverance. And so he produces no results. There is no growth. There's no spiritual growth in his spiritual life because he did not develop endurance to go through the things of life, the, the I won't say persecution, the trials and testings of life, and he just gets defeated again, and will that come back when he feels good? Perseverance is working your faith despite opposition. If we let them, easier said than, them, easier said than done, okay, but if we let them, trials work in favour for us, not against us. Easier said than done, you know, when you're in it. But I pray today that we have a perspective change, that, that, in that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of whatever difficult situation you're going through, that the Lord will just illuminate that thought in your, in your heart and in your spirit. That if we allow it, we can actually, the trials can actually work in favour of us, not against us. The testing of our faith promotes spiritual growth. It stretches our spiritual muscles. It moves us. out of the the comfortable and the usual. The greatest presence of stress usually provides the greatest impetus for growth. Thirdly, why do we need spiritual perseverance? To build trust in the relationship. Any relationship will be tested through time. And a relationship that is not tested through time is shallow and transactional. Um, I think I've shared this many times, but like Rudy and I didn't have a very good first three years of our marriage. Um, I think like similar to what Mel said, uh, Melina, when she was sharing, like many people have this honeymoon period, <laughs> like after they get married. I don't remember us ever having like a honeymoon period. Like immediately there was, there were like stuck differences, because uh, Rudy came to Singapore when he was twelve years old from Indonesia. So he has always been living with his elder sister, um, like in te- like with uh, guardians. And when his sister got married, he was living on his own. He was a tenant, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I've always lived with my family, of course. And my family, my my mom's fridge is always um, uh, filled with food, even at like twelve plus a.m. Sometimes when I come back and I bring my youths to my house and uh, oh, ma, can you cook beef for fun for everybody? Oh, beef for fun it is. You know, so it, I've always lived in that kind of, and then like everybody's sharing, everybody buys food home. And so immediately there were stark differences in the way within I um, actually lived, and that actually produced a lot of stress. It's not just about the toilet seats, it's not about the way you, put, you, you, know, you apply your toothpaste. It's more than that. It's like just things that he does, I'm like, why do you do things this way? <laughs> and then there are things that I do, then he's like, why must we do it this way? <laughs> you know, and straight away there is like there was it was so difficult, and, and throughout our that three years, maybe more for him, uh. But there were always thoughts like, why did I marry him? Why did I marry her? Both, you know, and it came to the point where we were. Uh, um, I won't say we. I'll just say myself, but I believe he also did because he shared also. <laughs> but I felt so trapped. You know, because marriage we all know, covenant binding, it's not just you and your husband, it's God, this whole Christian notion of covenant and how it's you know, everlasting, that kind of thing. And and I just felt so trapped. And I I don't want to use the the D word, but to me it's like is that if that is my only option that I can get freedom, like I started thinking like how would life be? I just have to leave church. I don't have to be a leader in church. I can be a Christian somewhere else, where it's accepted. <laughs> you know, things like that. And I just felt so trapped. And it came. It, it came. It came to the point where it was so. It was so. Um, like you felt like there's no way of escape. And so one day I sat down with Rudy and said, Rudy, if we don't do something about this we're either just going to be miserable for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our lives. You know, I don't even want to think about having children because I don't want the children to grow up in this kind of environment. Um, but we'll, we'll be miserable or we, we separate. <laughs> if we don't get things right, let's just live separately. We don't have to ever get a divorce. We don't have to be dead, but we can just live separate lives. We are just tenants in the same home. You know, because it got so bad and we I felt so trapped. And so we, we decided, okay, you know, let's let's try. <laughs> I mean we are already legally bound. So let's, let's try, let's let's do it. And so we we sat down and we spoke about all our disappointments. We spoke about all the things that that hurt us that each other did that hurt us, what each other have been doing throughout the years that have hurt us. We spoke about why we responded in certain ways. And then, we, and then after all this sharing of heart, which is very unusual for Rudy because it's very hard for him to articulate all his feelings. It's easier for me. So I'm like, don't are just going for it, you know. <laughs> but after that, then we were like, okay, what are the practical things that we need to do? And so we sat down and for a good one year, because I'm a, communication is my top need. Quality time, and then uh, when it comes to the five love language, quality time. So now that I'm spending time with you, it shows that I love you. Yeah, feel loved. Okay, yeah. Um, So quality time is my number one. But it comes to like needs, right? Felt needs. Communication is my number one. I need to spend time with you and talk to you. These two are very low on Rudy's list. Very low. So he buys me gifts. He does. He does things for me, but he's not there. I can't have a conversation, so I felt so lonely, and so, for one whole year, this is what we decided to do like, concerning my, my side of the needs, okay, that we sat down at 10 o'clock, we have to be home, or like, whatever time he reaches home, we off the TV off whatever, like, music we are playing, and we sit down, face one another and talk for 30 minutes <sighs> I don't know, like for some couples it's easy, you know, to like, oh I got so many things to talk, but we will literally sat on the couch next to, and then we face one another and we go like and we don't ask how's your day, what is how is work. We go like, how are you feeling today? <laughs> I need that, and I'm like, how are you feeling today? Why do you feel this way? Excel's <sighs> so like, no, don't look at me. <laughs> You know, but for, but but in order for the relationship to work out, Rudy had to do that. It's he he was like in, you know in the beginning he had, he had to write down questions on paper, because it's just not natural. So he went online to like look for questions to ask your wife, because I say no asking me how was work, not asking me what I ate today, or like what I what I did today. Ask me how I'm feeling. You know, ask me, ask me like you know, are there any concerns that I have? You know, how has the progress been? And am I am I being attentive to you? Ah, uh, that kind of questions. And I'll look him in the eye and I'll tell you everything. And then he's like avoiding. He's like trying to look at everywhere but my eyes. You know, but but we 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 had to put hard work. And perseverance, we had to endure, and it isn't easy, but we had to persevere in order for our relationship to get to where it is today, which is like a thousand times better than when we first, when we first started. We had to keep building trust and rebuilding trust, you know, because it's like, okay, I promise I won't do this anymore, and then the next day... <sighs> Happen again It's so irritating You know And then it's like I Lose trust in you already uh. You say you want to But then you still do Five seconds later you say Five seconds later you also do You say sorry for what <laughs> Right And then we have to keep Building trust And rebuilding trust Building trust And then rebuilding trust again You know it's easy It's easy to just get out It's easy to just like yeah, Forget it Let's go talk to Pastor Daniel tomorrow. It's easy to do that. But in order for a relationship to be long-lasting and strong, you actually need to stay for the good, the bad, and the ugly. You have to stay. You need staying power. And I don't know how your relationship with God is today, but when things are nasty, when He doesn't seem to ask to answer you, do you just opt out you know, and go for an easy way out? Go with whatever your heart's desire. Cause just my heart's desire. Just do whatever I want to do. When God is not, when you when you feel like, when you feel like God is not answering you, when you're going through a tough time with God, we know that we go through tough times with God as well. We question God. We ask Him what's going on. Why are you not answering me? Kind of thing. But in all honesty, we got the longer end of the deal. God is faithful to all His relationships. Jude tells us in verse 24, that He is able to keep us from stumbling. We are not left alone in our Christian walk. He doesn't leave the responsibility of the relationship to just us. But He's there. He's there to keep us from stumbling. He's there watching over us. He's not there to like, oh, you fail. Then I'm God. Now you realize that I'm God. No. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't just opt out of the relationship the, at the soonest time that you fail. But He is able to keep us from... He is actually watching over us Keeping us from stumbling. He wants to prove himself to us. You know, we we will always live in the tension of now and the future, right? We will always live in the tension of what is and what could be. It's a it's a it's it's from the day we say yes to Jesus, it's a we are in a process. And many people don't really like this other P-word process. We all want the outcome. I'm sure all of us have dreams and visions that God has given us. All of us have um, a preferred future. We all have. If you don't have the prophetic thing, we'll pray for you later. Speak live into your world. But we all have a preferred future. You know. And sometimes we are just caught in this like, present situation and we're thinking, how long more? That's always my question to God. God, how long more before I see myself in what you have shown me? But many, so many of us want the promises, the prophetic words, the, the prayers to be fulfilled, to come to completion, to come to fruition. But not many of us are will, are willing to stay in the process. We are we will be put in a process, but whether we stay or not is up to us. You know, like when we when we got when we are saved, um, we are justified. That's justification. It's solely based on what Christ has done. So once we are saved, we are made righteous in His sight because of what Christ has done. But sanctification is the process. Have you heard this word before? Sanctification. I'm being very old school until now. Sanctification is the process of being set apart for God. Being conformed to the image of His Son, that's sanctification. And from the day we say yes to Jesus, we are straight away justified. But there is a process of sanctification for us to be more and more like Jesus. We are in a process whether we like it or not. And we need to have staying power. Many of us, you know, like I said, the working of the fruit of the Spirit, the working out of of character issues, our personality or, or just, you know, the way we talk, the way we think, our thought life, our emotional life, all these are in the process of sanctification and we need to have endurance. We need perseverance to withstand the fires of refining. We need to withstand purification. If the clay and then inside, you know, it just says, oh, it's too hot, i want to get out. It will never be, it will just be clay. It will never be like, a nice art of pottery. It will never be like a nice bowl or a plate or whatever it's meant to be. If the clay says to the potter, I want out, I don't want to be in the fire, I don't want to be moulded, I don't want to twirl in this thing, it will never get to its intended purpose. And we need the perseverance. We need to have that staying power so when the fires of refining come, so that when we are put in the place of purification, we will continually press on, strain forward to the goal of the Christ of God. And in this day and age, it's so unheard of. I want the promises of God. I go to conferences. I just pray, 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 or I get touched by God. But... We, we, we are not aware. You know, you're aware of things that only you are aware of, that you make yourself aware of. So if you don't, it's like when you're trying to look for something, you can't find it. Uh, no, you can, only, you can only find what you're looking for, sorry. You can only find what you're looking for. And if you just walk past something like that, you will not notice that, oh, this is on the ground, that is on the chair. But if you're looking for something, you are, your, your eyes, your brains, your it's actually like scanning to look for that very item that you're looking for. You can only find what you're looking for. You have to be aware of what you want to be aware of. And sometimes we just go through life and "Oh, like, why is life so difficult? Why am I feeling so down again? Why do I feel like, like my Christian life is boring again? Because you're not aware of the process that God is putting you through. There's no spiritual awareness. You don't understand that you're in the process of maybe refining of this character trait. You're, or you're, or God, is, God is speaking to you about this issue in your heart. Or this temptation that you always face, that He wants you to overcome it. There must be spiritual awareness so that you can have perseverance to understand the season that you are in and persevere through and strain forward and press on towards the goal that God wants you to have. So, how do we cultivate spiritual perseverance? Number one, we hold on to vision. John Maxwell, who's a great author for leadership, he says, A difficult time can be more readily endured if we retain the conviction that our existence holds a purpose, a cause to pursue, a person to love, a goal to achieve. A difficult time can be more readily endured if we retain the conviction that our existence holds a purpose. It's like a mum in labour, right? (laughs) Heating very close to home. Like, labor isn't easy, but because there is a purpose. We, we, we know the child needs to be born. So even though it's painful, we endure. We readily endure. With the help of medical science, like epidural. <laughs> but we retain the conviction that this existence holds a purpose. In, Nih- in Nihimaya, Nihimaya was... was um, Telling the story about how you know God has told him to rebuild the wall, and then in Nehemiah verse six, uh, uh, chapter six, verse two to four, it says uh, this, Every time I say this name, it sounds very singlish. Then Sambalat, <laughs> Sambalat, you know it sounds very singlish. Then Sambalat and Gashem send a message to me saying, me here being Nehemiah. Come, let us speak together at Cheferim in the plain of Ono, but they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messengers to me four times in this manner and I answered them in the same way. So four times messengers came to tell, oh, I mean, you know, the, the people want to harm him, they just want to, they want to kill him because of what he's doing. And he answered, why should the work stop? Why should I stop what I'm doing and, you know, be distracted by you? Nehemiah persevered because he knows what God has called him to do. He was so focused on the task assigned to him and the faith in his God that he finished the wall in 52 days. What is the vision of your life today? What is the goal of your life? What is the price that your eyes have on? You know, people and distractions will come. And they will tear you down. But they're never gonna, they just get up. What's that song? I get knocked down. I get up again. Never gonna make me down. I get knocked down. T- too young, ah. Uh, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. High 90s kids. <laughs> yeah. Things will come to distract you. T- people will, ha- there will be people who say things. Out of goodwill sometimes even, you know, out of um out of um kindness and their yeah, friendly advice, it might not all necessarily be negative that, but distractions will come and and you know and sometimes when, when things happen in your life, why should the work stop? Have a vision for your life and if you have a vision for it, keep your eyes on the price. So even when things are not happening the way it should happen, you know, even when distraction comes, even when like, a lot of voices are coming at you, a lot of things are like all of a sudden, bad things come together and a whole lot. Don't be distracted. Why should the work stop? God has spoken and he will be faithful. Philippians, say being, Philippians says being confident of this thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. And because you have a long-term, you know, because I have a long-term vision for my life, I am not caught up or I'm not panicked with short-term distractions or short-term problems. Because I have a long-term vision, I am not caught up with short-term problems. Problems will come and go. Problems can be solved. If it cannot be solved, whatever, just discard it, ignore it. But because I have a long-term vision, I'm not caught up in what's around now. I have my eyes set on the price. Keep on keeping on. Keep on doing what you're called to do, whether it's your work, whether it's ministry, whether it's dealing with family, dealing with relationships. Keep on doing what you're called to do, regardless. Maybe some of you are in a work situation. You know you are called to be in this environment for at least like the next one, two years. But things are difficult. Your boss is difficult. The person sitting next to you has BO. You know, things are just bad. (laughs) But keep on keeping on. Keep on doing what you're called to do. Do not be distracted. Hold on, hold fast to the vision of God, to what God has given you. Secondly, how do you cultivate spiritual perseverance? You hang on to hope. Hang on to hope. Hebrews describes hope as an anchor of the soul. You know, an anchor, a ship anchor. Stabilizes a ship, right? It prevents it prevents the ship from drifting along with the currents. It prevents the the ship from from moving away from its designated spot. So likewise, you know, we need to have an anchor. We need to have Christ as our anchor. We need to have hope as our anchor, and so even when things come, and things will come, storms of life will come, but it will not cause us to drift away from our designated spot. It will not cause us to drift away with the currents and just be tossed to and fro, but we will be anchored. We know that storms of life come. It will come, we just flow with it, but we are still anchored in the designated spot that God has called us. We just keep on doing what we are called to do. Psalms 27, verse 13 to 14 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. One of the greatest stresses and one of the, the the greatest, like, or one of the worst things you can hear God say is, Wait. It's like uh, everything hang on the on hang on the balance, hang on the line. One of the greatest stresses of life is to wait on God. But he says, be wait, not just wait, but be of good courage. He will strengthen our heart. He brings fulfillment. Romans tells us that we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Many of us have heard this, but hope is defined as the joyful expectation of good. And Romans 8.28 tells us that that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And, you know, if it's not good, it's not the end. If it's not good, it's not the end. Hang on to hope. If it's not what God has shown you, if it's not what God has spoken to you about, hang on to hope. You know, being this is my third child that I'm, being, that I'm pregnant with, um, with. With the first, might be TMI, okay, but bear with it. You are all adults. <laughs> for, the first two, for the first two children, it was very easy to have. Uh, we conceived, like, the moment we tried. <laughs> Not the moment, but, you know. Like, it was easy. When we wanted to, we tried, we had, okay? Okay. Um, it was always easy, and so we were, we, we have always wanted, like you heard me before, right? God has spoken to me, and then Rudy much later, <laughs> that we were going to have three kids at least. Uh, he's not here, so I can at least. And so when, when we wanted to have this third child, we thought like, oh, it will be like number one and number two, easy. Like, so I plan, okay, because Travis is a year-end baby. Aralene is a mid-year baby. I want to have a beginning of the year baby. So, you know, you can calculate these kind of things, yeah. Uh, so, calculate it, right? Then I'm like, okay, let's, let's try. And then, well, we confirmed, like, you know, in, like, January, February might be, like, a February baby. And then, we, so we tried to conceive, and I didn't. And then after three months, n- still nothing happened, okay. In, I just want to say this, okay? Disappointment, right, is not measured by number of years or how many times, right? So uh, I'm saying this while being empathetic to people who actually have been trying for years. Okay, uh, there are many people who have tried to have children or or you've waited for something for definitely more than a year. Okay, like three years, ten years, twenty years. I, I'm not. Disappointment is not measured by the number of times or the number of years, but I felt disappointed because to me, it's like I thought it would be easy. What's wrong with us? Shall we go for a checkup? And then six months later, there was still nothing. Like, it was nothing. And I was super stressed out. I'm like, is it because I'm older? You know, like, what's happening to our lifestyle? Is our lifestyle bad? That's why we, we don't have children. And, and then all of a sudden, because you must understand, okay, this is what God has spoken to me since I was young. I will have at least three kids. This is why I got spoken to me and every time somebody asks me, like, how many children you want? Oh, I want at least two boys, one girl. I always say that. I even have to. It's not confirmed, confirmed yet, but I always, I always say if I have two boys, one will be called Travis, the other will be called this name. <laughs> not Marshawn, <laughs> or Tyrone or Christian Delavon. <laughs> Stop it. So I was disappointed. And then by nine months, I was missing my period for three months. And it has never happened to me before. And I'm like, how to con- how to try to conceive when I'm not having my period? Like, this is like, what is happening? And I thought, really, let's go for checkup. Huh? You know, but every time I say this, it's like out of defeat. It's like, <sighs> let's go for checkout. Uh. Like, I think something wrong with us already. But we don't even have money to do, even if we need to do IVF, how then, then we just then you know Google is so bad. And it's like, oh, you've got to have this infer- infer- infertility disease, sec- then don't know what thing, then like, well, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with me? And I was, to be honest, I was very disappointed in, with God because this is your promise to me. And uh I mean I'm trying to fulfill the word of God here. <laughs> given to me, I'm doing my part. I'm not like Sarah. I never laugh, you know. I believe, you know, and I go ahead and and how come it's not happening? And then one year passed, and I'm like, <sighs> you know, and I was so disappointed. I was seriously very disappointed. And I think there was one night I was I was I met Lee Jun Hannah for for dinner, and I just told her like, like part of me feels like okay. Maybe I have one boy, one girl. You know, how okay, good ready. <laughs> you like, basically it's a ca- Chinese, ca- never mind. <laughs> Chinese character thingy. And so it's like I have a boy, I have a girl. They are both wonderful children. Let's forget it. You know. Um, but at the same time, now I, thought I was telling her. But at the same time, I feel like if I just give up, and I just like you know. Stop trying! I know I'm very dramatic, very dramatic, Even though it's just one year, but it, to me, it was a huge thing. Um, and so I told Leecher, I said, if, "If I don't, I feel like if I don't keep trying, even though I feel so disappointed, even if, if I don't keep trying, I, w- I will never feel like my family is complete. I will always feel like a part of my life has never come." And then she was crying. Why oh, are you like that? I said, "Yeah, I really, you know." And and so at that at that. At those at that season, I told God, I said, God, you are the one who told me I will have... You are the one who put in my heart the desire for three kids, at least. <laughs> you are the one. You are the one who gave me uh, the faith and the courage to believe for something like that. And so, if it means five years from now, if it means I have to wait until I'm 45 years old before I give birth to a third child, I will hang on to hope. I will hang on to what you say. And in whatever form, maybe it's not a biological child. Maybe it's a foster child. Maybe it's an adoption, adopted child. Whatever it is, you promise me a third kid. You promise me a second son. No matter how it looks like, I will, I will hope. And I will just keep trying. I will, I will just do my part. I will believe in you. And so once that season, like once I... I and you know, in that whole year, I didn't say that. I didn't say, like, okay up to you to to let you know to to give me or not to give me you know but if you if you don't give it to me like in the prime of my youth, then it's fine, you know if it comes in another form and not my biological, it's fine and when I say that, and then the next month, I tested and I was pregnant, and so you know there is hope does not disappoint you know I know mine is only a year, and it seems. You know, really short to, in terms of your years of waiting for something, whether is it waiting for a dream job, waiting to be posted to somewhere that you love, waiting to um, have, a, have a partner, whether is it waiting to have children, or whether is it um, a job opportunity, or just something that God has put in your heart, a desire that God has put in your heart. No matter the, what, however long that you have waited, hope does not disappoint Hang on to hope. Spiritual perseverance is held together by the foundation of who God is. Heidi Baker says this very candidly. She just says, "If you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. Really, just don't quit. Don't give up." Can I have the band on stage? I just want to finish with the quote that um, I read just now earlier by Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers said just now the perseverance is more than endurance. It's endurance combined with absolute assurance and certainty that what we are looking for is going to happen. And then he continues. The last one. Perseverance means more than just hanging on, which may be only exposing our fear of letting go and falling. Perseverance is our supreme effort of refusing to believe that our hero is going to be conquered. Our greatest fear is not that we will be damned, but that somehow Jesus Christ will be defeated. Also, our fear is that the very things our Lord stood for, love, justice, forgiveness and kindness among men, will not win out in the end and will represent an unattainable goal for us then there is the call to spiritual perseverance. A call not to hang on and do nothing, but to work deliberately, knowing with certainty that God will never be defeated. God will never be defeated. It is the foundation, it is the very purpose, is the very basis of why we can persevere, and why we ought to persevere. It's not to just hang on and do nothing, but to work deliberately, knowing with certainty that he will never be defeated. Whatever you're facing today, no matter how insurmountable or how difficult, I want you to be reminded again that God will never be defeated. He's concerned with all issues of life. Whether is it having a child, uncertainty in your future, you know, even, even going through things in your spiritual life, you don't feel God is real. You're not sure what to make of your life. Anything, anything that is difficult in your life today, anything that that is that it that seems insurmountable that seems difficult remember that God will never be defeated my question to you today is will you be submitted to his process in your life will you say yes to cultivating spiritual perseverance can we all stand Want you to close your eyes and you know if there's something in your life or there are things um, maybe people in your lives that are difficult things in your life circumstances in your lives that are difficult that you have been going through even for a while or are obstacles you know or are things that you just can't, can't seem to shake off just want you to present that before God today just present that before God today. And even as the band begins to lead us in a time of worship, I'm praying that hope will arise. That God will bring hope to your heart today, knowing with certainty that he will never be defeated. That you that he has your side. That he has your back. That he will begin to clarify the vision that he has for your life, the vision of God that he has placed in your life and he will cause hope to arise. Hope in him that Jesus Christ will not be defeated. Jesus Christ will not be defeated.